G'day Footyology listeners, Roko here. Enjoy our podcast? Well, you can become an official Footyology podcast supporter simply by using the supporter feature through ACAST. There's no subscription or regular commitment, just the sheer satisfaction that comes with knowing you've kept the debt collectors from our door. No, just kidding. It does help though. If you want to get started, you just need to follow the support this show link in the show description. Thanks again. And now let's get on with it. Welcome to the Footyology Podcast with Rowan Connolly and Mark Fine. Hello, everyone. This is the Round 13 preview edition of the Footyology Podcast. As I say, a very good morning to you, Mark Fine. Good morning, Rowan. I've got a question off the top for you. Okay. Without oh, notice? Yes, it is from a family member, but they want to know whether that riff of footyology is part of a greater piece of music and what the words are, and they're just making fun of me. That's a, no, that's a very good question. I'm pretty sure it's out of the generic pool of yeah. stings that you don't uh, get hit by APRA for. Um, in fact, I had an amazing story the other day about a butcher. Uh, very uh, Not the Brittniston butcher. No, no, a mate of uh, Kevin Hillier's, actually. So uh, sorry for pinching this anecdote, Kev. But a mate of Kev's, uh, who's a butcher, I think, in the Werribee area, was playing the audio CD of a band in his shop and someone from APRA walked in and stung him for royalties. What, how many sausages? <laughs> no, no, well, if you're playing the radio, apparently it's all right, but yeah. if you use a band's music in a commercial setting, yeah. you're supposed to pay them. So um, there you go. But no, I think our theme is, is uh, it's a good generic theme, but it's generic, I think. And that reference to the Baroness and Butcher, if anybody likes their humour a bit Scottish... Get on to YouTube. They do humour, do they? Oh, it's very funny. B-U-R-N-I-S-T-O-U-N, Berniston. The butcher is just one of many sketches, and the butcher's good. It's a it's a murderer, a mass murderer, who dubbed the Berniston butcher, who is constantly at odds with the people of Berniston, who always confuse him with the town butcher, who is also the Berniston butcher. <laughs> That's quite good. Actually, but, speaking good of Scottish humour, just quickly, I just saw a tweet this morning. From the social media arm of Scottish trains or whatever they're called. Oh, yes. And someone tweeted in complaining about the trains. And they said, yes, uh, we're, we're sorry, you've got a problem. What is it? And they said, uh, you, you have a Pakistani train driver. Is that safe? And they responded with, uh, yes, we think it's very safe. Please feel free to walk, <laughs> which I thought was a, a nice effort. I, I thought all... Ref, all... <laughs> References, complaints and observations on Scottish trains go to Sheena Easton, don't they? <laughs> is she Scottish or is Absolutely. she Scottish? Did she have another hit after that? Afternoon train. Oh, God, I've already... She did morning train, she did afternoon Thanks train. Thanks to the earworm, though. And uh, for anyone not familiar with my baby takes the morning train, think yourselves very, very fortunate. All right, let's actually get into what we're supposed to be talking about. Um, now, there's been a few news stories floating about this week with that Adelaide pre-season camp keeps bubbling around. More and more and more contract speculation. Uh, Patrick Cripps and uh, Charlie Curnow uh, re-signing for the Blues. So. Well, they've re- is it a signature? They've both said they're going to stay yeah, till at I'll, least their free agency. I tune out at that stage. You okay, know, they're like um, But for me, I don't know about you, but I reckon easily the most important news story of the week, and it has been written about, so I'm, I'm not saying it hasn't been covered, but probably not as much as I thought it might be, 
is was a couple of things to this. Firstly, that Hawthorne last Saturday uh, played a trial game in their week off at Etihad Stadium, trialling several quite dramatic rule changes, um, film, watched and filmed by the AFL. So obviously really getting serious about whether these changes are going to occur. Um, and then on the back of that and the reports of that, Gil McLaughlin uh, came out on SEN on Wednesday and basically said, and I've got the quote, he was talking about Steve Hocking drawing, coming up with you know up to 30 suggestions and very careful to say, look, they might adopt none of them, but he's, he said, and I quote, I think that Steve will come up with change. Yes, I don't think we're going to be in the status quo. So that that is as good as a um, declaration. I, I think that uh, there will definitely be some form of uh, rule change in an attempt to uh, ease congestion. So what, what do you make of that? Okay, the bigger picture, we'll talk specifically about the Hawthorne trial and what... Um eventuated there, but I just want to talk about the big picture because this has been the story that has been bubbling along and now boiling and is maybe more important than the matches themselves is the state of the game yeah. and changes to make it more aesthetically pleasing, less congestion. And I, we are living in the times of chicken little and the sky is falling in. The main... What, there is a, a, main, a major motivation for this not to be a, a barroom phone-back discussion and to actually be taken up with serious committees by the AFL. What is, I'm asking you, I, I know the answer. What do you believe the answer to my question is? Why are we taking it so seriously now? Um, oh, I'm not thinking agendas. I mean, the Channel 7, uh, what's his name, Tim Warner, came out last week and said we need more goals because you get ads. So. Well, right. well, you're spot on. It's well, ratings. Well, I, I, I think that's their motivation, certainly. But I'd like to think the uh, people steering the AFL ship are genuinely concerned about um, the congestion, but also the scoring, because the last four years have been the lowest scoring since 1970. That is... That's 50 years. That is that is a big worry. Um, I'm saying that's all been a big worry. And but you know, what are you? Are you? Sort this of... is this has been the absolute f- final, not motivating force or camel that broke the final score that broke the camel back coming back. from Channel Seven. When your number one client yeah. says people are not tuning in because of yeah. the state of the game, yeah, that's the driver. And I don't believe it's correct. I think if the AFL Hopefully, whatever changes to the game are made are then not directly parallel, you know, are directly compared to ratings mm. and deemed to be a success or failure otherwise. Because I, I'm sure pockets in within the AFL understand this, but maybe not the world at large. And that is that the younger generation today, teens into their 20s, are simply not as invested in team sport as. Australians were a generation ago and then generations before that. No, they're not. It is not on the diet of every boy to play footy and cricket. Footy and the entire cricket in the summer, it's over. Yeah. It's a new world and that means less people are born to... Less people are born with the destiny of loving Australian rules football. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then that's clearly happening less and less. You and I were born to it, mate. Yeah, we, no, we could, no. We I, couldn't I, go to school with it. Between footy cars, Little League, school, 
whatever. We it, it, it was the number one factor that drew us in in our junior lives. It doesn't exist anymore no, like that. Couldn't agree more. And I read it. There was a really good piece in The Guardian the other day by Craig Little, I recommend people yep. read, talking about this. And the TV factor also has created a bigger distance between fans and clubs and the game because it's, it's more of a passive interest now. It doesn't involve the ritual of going to the football. That, that's a great observation because yeah. if, if you are driven by ratings on TV, then the huge danger is you are just subject to the vagaries of a better show taking away those eyeballs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I couldn't agree more. We're sort of getting away from the okay, script here. Yeah, and yeah. I thought it was a really dumb thing of Tim Warner to say that, you know, even if it clearly is a motivation. Why would you say that? Why wouldn't you at least pr- make yeah. people pretend <laughs> yep. that there's an altruistic motive? Well, I, I don't know how TV executives operate, to be honest. But anyway, well, let's get down to the tin tax of this. So Hawthorne <laughs> did the trial. Yep. And um, there's a long list of potential rule changes. The three that uh, we're led to believe they actually used in this game were three zones of six at centre bounces. So six in the midfield, six or each side in the two arcs. Um, The other one they uh, tried was last touch out of bounds. Mm -hmm. And the other one they tried was no mark awarded for kicks backwards. Now, it's important to remember that the last touch... And the no mark, we have already trialled in the pre-season. When you say no kick backwards, is that outside the 50 metre? I don't think I saw a definition, but I I think when they trialled it in the pre-season, it was behind halfway. Yeah, that's right. Um, And they did that in the VFL for a year. Yeah, and people sort of forget that these trials have already happened. So it's not sort of, it's not like we haven't done that before. The starting positions they're calling them is the one we haven't tried before. But before we scare the horses or whatever, that is just at centre bounces. So given the amount of scoring we're getting, it's actually not that often. So I, I don't mind that idea, but I tend to think the impact would be minimal because it's only at centre bounces. I disagree. Why? The impact will be zero. Minimal oh, okay. is majorly generous. Yeah, yeah. Because of the same reason. All all it will mean was you'll have players in the starting gates like they were when the diamond and the square came in. Yeah. That that made a difference. Yeah, I'm saying that. Well, that makes a difference for the bounce. Yeah. I'm pretty sure the game's congested. Correct. Yeah, yeah. So we do get fewer scores and fewer centre bounces. No, I agree with that. Which is why I tend to think something similar probably needs to be implemented at stoppages per se. Very hard thing to police. But clearly there's a um, there's an acknowledgement here from the AFL that things like the interchange cap, the protected area, which, you know, I've banged on about the last couple of weeks, but, you know, it was quite laughable to suggest that was going to open the game up and deliberate out of bounds um, were going to, in of their own um, accord, help clear the congestion. I if, think that's a bit unfair on the interchange cap because it's, you know, it's like saying... It hasn't gone low enough. Yeah, correctly. It yeah. would... It, I've got no doubt that uh, massive reductions in interchange, and I like the idea of uh, giving a team twenty a game, something like that. You mm. know, really, almost, almost four or five a quarter. Uh, that will have an effect. You know, this is like this is like saying, well, um, we've still got obesity because we've reduced sugar a bit with some warning signs. So sugar's not the problem. Yeah, it is, but you haven't taken the right steps. Well, maybe, yeah. Well, who's to say they won't try that first? You know, maybe, maybe we're sort of putting the cart the before the horse. 
They um, have been such an impediment to that interchange cap. Yeah, you know, the other funny thing about the coaches is, actually, I'm glad you mentioned that, because Chris Scott, I think, has gone on record as saying he's a fan of uh, lowering the number of players on a side to 16. But most coaches seem to think what they want to try is um, tighter interpretation of holding the ball. And that, to me, I don't know if I'm missing something here, but that, to me, doesn't stack up as a aid to clearing congestion because all that will do is if you're going to ping the guy as soon as he gets the ball, that's just going to encourage people to dwell on the guy getting the ball to tackle him, which will just drag more people around the ball. As a, as a just a broader view of what you're just saying, under no circumstances should current coaches or players be involved in this discussion. Yeah, I agree. I've heard Paddy Dangerfield talk about it. He's erudite, intelligent, and you'd love to have his input after he finishes. But one of his major observations to making the game better, <clears throat> pardon me, is to shorten the length of quarters. Well, that's Paddy, even if he doesn't realise it, thinking about Paddy. You know, his body mm. has copped an absolute hiding, and he'd like the game to be one quarter the less in total time spent on the field. Well, isn't that the problem with, you know, this competition committee? I mean, like, it's basically comprised of people from within clubs. Yeah, and, and I'm saying it's no good. Literally, coaches who at the moment have a lot of depth on their list yeah. don't want a reduction of players on the field. That's how short-sighted they would be. But their job is to keep their job at their club yeah. and keep their club successful. You cannot ask, you know, that would be... that. That's like asking a jockey... Whip rule changes. Yeah. Now, as you know, as much as they're the ones with the whip, yeah, they like using it. You know, but you, need, it, you it, need people away from the situation. Well, isn't this funny then that the yeah, I mean, everyone involved in that competition committee, basically, oh, I guess less so, sort of former champions like Lee Matthews or whatever, but most people have some sort of vested interest in a particular outcome. And they did say, actually, given their dues, they did say they were going to consult, um, you know, supporters, hopefully... What well, yeah. virus survey? Well, hopefully... Survey. No, I'd hope that it'd be through the AFL Fans Association, actually, which we'll talk about another day, but I think that could be an increasingly important group and the um, cynicism about it from the media particularly really, really annoys me. But... Um, you know, given that the fans are the ones who are going to give the thumbs up or thumbs down in terms of is the game watchable, you'd like to think that they would be consulted. And, and the media, I think, again, is guilty of really underestimating the intelligence of supporters. You know what? In the last 30 or 40 years, we have sat back almost blind to the fact that many of the changes in football, some of the the way the game's played, the coaches take responsibility for because they work the rules to win. Mm. But some of the big sweeping changes to the game, the major changes, have been driven by the greedy, the avaricious um, appetite for ratings. Mm. More ratings, more money. And everybody almost at the AFL, their success has been marked by the volume of dollars in the... In the um, TV rights deal. You know, yeah. they surf that all the way to the top of the tree. Now, here's the problem. Because of the importance of the TV rights deal, we rushed GWS and Gold Coast into the competition. By the way, the most obvious way to make the game worse is to keep making, creating more teams and diluting the talent pool. Mm. Point one. Mm. But no, that was 
we need we need to be on in Sydney and Queensland, New South Wales twice every week. Yeah, I think the creation of Eddie Had Stadium, which is not a good football ground, was TV driven. Let's get let's not play in the wet or the mud ever again. My goodness, it's affected players' longevity, but it's also affected the quality of the game, how we tackle, etc., etc. We need to sit back and understand that the tail wagging the dog has not been good for the game. The best thing the AFL can do is walk away and say, you know what we're going to do? We're going to stop becoming, stopping a business beholden to TV and we're going to be a true sporting administration. Even up the, even up the draw. Just make the game make more sense to the fans in terms of fairness and they'll watch it more. I couldn't agree more, but it's not going to happen. I hate to play, you know, sort of gloom and doom here, but it's not going to happen. No, I'm not, I'm saying, I'm not saying those, it will happen. Will happen it but should let happen. Us, let us be marked as two who've observed what should happen and not just blindly follow, as most members of the media do, this circus, this caravan sarai of... Changing the game by tinkering with the rules. Well, we could, yeah. The, um, we could I'm get, pretty passionate about well, it. Yeah, no, we can get into a whole media watch thing here too because I think half the problem is that too many people in the football media now don't actually have a passion for the game. So there's no there's no emotion, as you just expressed, in, in what they think well, about well, the game. Well, hang on. It's if we're saying that the tail is dag- wagging the dog, which it is, yeah. then don't expect the tail to complain. No. Well, bottom line, though, we've got to finish this up, but bottom line on this, um, now, I know, you know, like the bulk of the footy public always say, leave the rules alone, and to an extent, I tend to agree with them, because a lot of rule changes that have come in 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 the modern era have been the result of unintended consequences of previous rule changes. There's no question about that. But I do feel differently on this one. The reason I feel differently on this one is that having, you know, studied the the stats over a long period of time, contested possession keeps going up. Tackle count keeps going up. The game keeps uh, drawing in on itself and becoming tighter and tighter and tighter. And the big one for me, and yes, low-scoring games can be exciting, but if scores are down year upon year upon year to the extent where four seasons in a row now have been the lowest scoring for 50 years, that is not just a blip. That is an ongoing trend, and I think something in terms of rules at least has to be tried. Yeah, I mean, it has to be, but I'm telling you, Rowan, have a look at where the best and high scoring games have been. In the wet at the Gabba, at Optus over in WA... All Eddie had has done, and remember the creation of Eddie had has been recreated with Metricon and these other stadiums, but without roofs. And the G has become pristine, bowling green. All you do by having these constantly fast grounds all year is enable everybody to get to the ball quicker. Yeah. And that's all that's happening. I mean, the worst games are at Eddie had because everybody can get to the ball so quickly. If the umpire doesn't throw it up after when there's a stoppage, literally every second that passes, more more players are encroaching on the area and setting up their zones either side of the area. It, and it's done so easily on that speedy ground. I think it also potentially penalises the sides that play there the most 
because when they run into adverse conditions, they're not as prepared for them. But they're not adverse. People call them, even the term, I love watching those games, the two games at Mars Stadium, and they've been full of highlights. There's plenty of scoring. Hawthorne score well down in Tassie. Other teams do as well. Yeah. Incidentally, we we do have to wrap this up, just that thing about playing in different conditions. Do you know, I've always, I don't know if this has ever been spoken about, but I've always had a theory, you know how North Melbourne in 98 basically blew the flag against Adelaide with inaccurate kicking? But they fatigued in the second half and the Crows ran right over the top of them. I think a big factor in that was the fact that I think their previous 10 or 12 games had all been night games and they copped quite a, a warm sunny day on grand final day and I think it really threw them. Anyway, I, I don't know why I threw that in. And just on adverse conditions, yeah. adverse conditions, Yeah. can you have any more adverse conditions of playing on the roof of a car park? <laughs> no, 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 fair point. Okay, um, we'll leave it there. But like we said, th- this is a big story. You're going to be hearing, well, hopefully, in the um, in amongst all the contract talk, you're going to be hearing more about this because, like I said, that quote from Gil McLaughlin, I think you can back it in. There will be some sort of rule change uh, for next year. Let's move on. On Footyology, Media Watch. Rightio, Finey. Controversial every week, this segment. Um, I wanted to talk, uh, this is a bit of a D&M, but sort of two things merging into one, really. It's World Cup time. We both love our soccer, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners do too, and it's just a fantastic time of every four years when this happens. World football. Yeah. But the thing is, that it, it always, I've got to admit, it makes me feel a bit of a cultural cringe when it happens too because I see the pictures coming out of there and I see all the media over there and I sort of get a bit envious think, geez, I'd, I'd love to do that one day. But What's it's that a, live in Russia? Because as a child, you were close to moving to Russia, weren't you? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, go to Russia, you commies. Um, <laughs> you've completely thrown me with that. Um, no, it, it just... it. You know how when you go overseas, it makes you realise how small your own little world is. And I think with the World Cup, it always makes me think how, how small and insular the whole football bubble is, you know, for obvious reasons. But it, it, a couple of things happen. Whenever it gets to World Cup time, I always end up jumping on YouTube and watching a lot of old World Cup memories. And, you know, like last night, I watched a, a half-hour package of the greatest World Cup goals ever scored. And was number one pillars? Uh, well, they didn't rank them. Um, a, lo- a lot of, I think, number one, it's got to be Maradona against England, surely, 1986. The legal one. The, yeah, the not, not the hand of God, the yeah. uh, the other one in the same game, quarterfinal. Um, but, you know, fantastic viewing. But it always, the thing that always strikes me, and funnily enough, I saw a baseball video last night too, which was of a coach, uh, the New York Mets coach going absolutely spacko at the umpire who'd ejected a pitcher for a wild pitch and they were mic'd up and you could hear the conversation but the commentators were in the background and I always think how incredibly uh, sort of respectful and nuanced the English soccer commentators are and the American sport commentators are and then you look at ours in comparison and you think why are ours so different? Now Two things here. One, the English, the soccer commentators, let's concentrate on them. I don't watch a lot of American sport, but I, from what I do here, it's pretty similar. 
it's all about the game. You can tell they love the game. They're invested in the game. They might get excited, but whatever they're talking about is about the game. They're special comments people. Um, there's no back references to how good a players they were or whatever. It's just assumed you know who this person is and that the comments they're making do come from an expert background. And it's very reverential towards the game. They also don't say too much. And, you know, look, I think my my favourite piece of sporting commentary of all time, probably because it's one of the great sporting moments of all time, consists of just one word, and it's Aguero! And I, and it, what he said afterwards, I think, really added to that. But poor QPR. Oh, <laughs> but, but that already... They stayed up. That yeah. already stayed up. <laughs> that is one of the great moments in sport. But... Why, you know, we're, we're so slavishly follow the lead of US sports in this and that, and why don't we follow it when it comes to commentary? And the the trend that I've really noticed this season, and again, I hate it, is this, um, not just backslapping, but someone will call a passage of play, and it's an exciting, quick passage of play, and then one of the comments guys or the co-caller will go, oh, great call. Great call, BT, or fantastic call, Dwayne, or, yeah. Why do we need to hear that? That's their job. You know, yes, it might be a good call, but why does someone else need to tell us it's a great call? Why do they constantly need to reference each other, and why do they do the in-jokes? Now, now are these rhetorical questions, or do you want... I, I do want you to weigh in. I'm just I'm, I'm on a bit of a roll no, here. No, no, that's good. So, I have spoken to some of these... You know, look, I've, I've been pretty critical of Channel 7, particularly for a number of years, and I've had discussions with some of these guys, some of those commentators about, I am absolutely convinced that they are not doing this because they want to be doing it. It is an instruction from above, and whoever is giving that instruction, you're an idiot. Because or, it, you, or, or New South Welsh, or you're from Well, Sydney. yeah, you're someone who Sorry, doesn't, underst- really. someone doesn't understand the culture of the game. Because it's rubbish. It's just so unnecessary. We have... Look, we entered into... Maybe Harry Beitzel was the first on 3AW, then through Rex Hunt. Yeah. But remember, we had multiple radio stations, so it almost um, begged each radio station to create a bit of a personality for themselves. Yeah. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. No, well, it's important to say that even like Rex's uh, catalogue of nicknames yeah. are about the game, aren't they? They're not about him. What we created was, and I, I've heard a lot of English soccer commentary, a lot of people don't listen to much of it, but I, I'm always up Saturday night late um, listening to their broadcast of the, match, of the game interspersed with goals from everywhere. We've created... a do a word, make up a word here, commentainment. Or, you know, it's a co- commentary entertainment. And the problem is that the game is being, is being, especially on Friday nights, but certain games are so um, immersed that it's they're blanketed, they're smothered, smothered is the word, with this commentary. Mm. Now, I'm not going to preface what I'm about to say with I like BT or I've had dealings with BT. Big effing deal. Two Friday nights ago, this smothering of a game reached a point of aggravation 
and highlighted Brian Taylor's just lack of awareness of what people would want. It was Carlton versus Sydney, and maybe the first time he called uh, on baller, is it Daniel Lloyd? Jake Lloyd. Jake, Jake Lloyd, sorry. Uh, getting oh, yeah. the ball. He, he called him as though it was Matthew Lloyd leading and marking for God. Lloyd! Yeah, yeah. And on and on it went. Yeah. Received a handball. Lloyd! Yeah, well, I, I was... I watched, I watched those games with Twitter going in the background, and I can tell you it was very... Uh, a lot of people were getting aggravated by it. My point on this is, and, you know, BT, if this comes back to you or you hear it, I, I would be keen to talk to you about it. I'm, I'm convinced he's not doing this of his own volition. Well, if he's not, somebody should have told him during the game to stop doing it. Yeah, if no, somebody's I'm, actually telling him to do it, to, uh, yeah, to well, be more colourful... Yeah, I oh know, it's pathetic. Um, that Brian, instruction Brian can, is Brian pathetic. can call. Yeah. Brian no, he Taylor can. can call. He can. And, and he, well. And but that is not well. And I think that Lloyd shit was something that he started and enjoyed during the game and nobody told him to stop it. Well, I think uh, last year when he um, joined the Friday night team, I think he was playing it generally straighter. And, and I think the his calling capabilities are really shown out. That It's like they've sort of become comfortable with it and now they're sort of flicking the switch a bit more and more to Vaudeville. But, you know, it, it's just... Where is that sort of instruction coming from? And, and somebody's you, got to tone Bruce down. Because yeah. his problem is, that, where does the commentator start and the special comments man begins? Call the friggin' game. They overlaid Hawthorne versus Port Adelaide with their dialogue about Polek and... It, yeah. The story that they were creating during the game... They've, there has to be some running narrative yeah, correct. For there was a running narrative. Game. Mate, just call the game. You've got five special... You've got more special comments, men, yeah. than there were people launching Apollo 10. But, you know, all this is all this is rooted in the um, fundamentally flawed philosophy that you already have a captive audience who love the game and the people we need to attract are the theatre-goers who are less sort of into the game. But unless they're six years old, how is something like mispronouncing a guy's name going to attract them? And what it's done is it's pissed off the core constituency to the point where there are people now, and I know you hear this sort of thing a bit, but I've never heard it to the extent now. There are people coming on and saying, I am not watching the game now because of the commentary. In this discussion about why ratings are down, people are actually saying they're not watching games because of the commentary. You know, look, for me, a huge issue is that obviously as ratings have been affected, they think by throwing more commentators into the call mm. improves the situation. Are they, that, are they that vapid? Are they that shallow that they think by, well, we better have a female there to get some female viewers, so we'll put a girl on walking off the, on and off the ground at three-quarter time. Mm. How patronising. Well, that's Fox footy. That's not seven. Oh, yeah. both of them. Yeah. You, you know what it reminds me of? You never let a kid under the age of 13 decorate a cake. At some point, the cake will look good with their decorations, but they don't know when to stop. They'll put the smarties, the snakes. They'll put everything on there till it goes from acceptable to... Unrecognisable. I think we're getting, say they draw a dick or something like that. We're getting to unrecognise, but they just more more the better for a kid because they don't have a filter. You know, yeah. more mm. colour, more lollies, more sugar, the better. 
there needs to be a filter on commentary as well because referring back to where you started this discussion and that is soccer commentary at its very best, it used to be one man on his own and then they'd make the big move, one man, one expert comments person and we won't be alive for the next change, Rowan. Mm. That fills the airwaves plenty. Well, it's funny because there are some games on radio now uh, where you'll hear, and there was one last week, um, where it was just one caller and one comments bloke. But that's not happening by choice. That's happening by... Financial constraints. Correct. Yeah. You know, so maybe we will sort of see that if the um, if, if the financial constraints pinch harder and harder. But it, you know what it would teach? You see, I've, I'm worried that with so many special comments people, and even the commentators having their airtime taken away, they're trying to be wittier more interesting and spectacular every time they speak. Yeah, yeah. Nobody's just willing to say something yeah. and be part of the call. Everybody wants to say the memorable piece. You know what a turning point was, I reckon? Now, I was just sort of thinking on the run then, but I, I, a turning point, funnily enough, was a cork in the ocean. Dennis Cometti's yeah, line during the 92 Well, well he was able to integrate. He was able to integrate with his own turns of phrase. Yeah. Well, we've talked excellent about commentary with an entertainment level, but no one. If it doesn't come naturally, it's horrible. Even he, and I think Dennis would admit this. Even he, towards the end, it, it got a bit sort of affected. Prepared a few of them, but there was a great piece written. I've referred to this before about, uh, and it might have been Russell Jackson, but uh, it was about the '89 Grand Final call and how great Committee's call was. And notice, there's no line in it that people quote again and again and again like Cork in the Ocean or like Leo Barry you star or whatever but it was just it summed up the moment perfectly and isn't that how what great commentary should be not a memorable line but a mood that is captured Rowan commentary at its very very best is exactly what you've just explained there it is a commentary that has the the commentators don't need to say this is a great game one for the ages, they never say it, but their comment their tone their they need to get lost in the game like we the fans, mm. not sit back and paint it with their pre prepared humour and jokes. And and I think that that I think that is almost the most important point here, getting back to what I'm saying about they're being directed. I think these guys are going behind the microphone and they're thinking, right, got to appeal to theatre goers, got to be entertaining, got to have a few jokes. And they're going in with all these preconceptions and everything, like Lloyd, it all sounds so contrived and affected. Whereas if they went in with no instructions other than, okay, boys, this should be a great game, let's call it. Yeah. It'd be more spontaneous, it'd be more natural, and I'd bet my bloody something I really value highly that it would be a far better call as a result. All right, this is not speculation. We know it's an absolute fact. There's, it, this will be held up in any court of law anywhere in the world that there is direction given to commentators, and the one that is the most revolting is, I don't care what the scoreline is, boys, do not ever say that this game is dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we know that there's a... A not cynical, but a a again transparent, weak attempt to to maintain ratings 
by treating the viewer as an utter idiot and telling the commentators, don't tell the idiot at home, that, that strategically saved chimpanzee that watches us. I mean, he's an idiot, but he does buy funeral insurance and, you know, meerkat-driven website information. So, don't ever tell him the game's over. If you say that, you're dead. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I and, know. And from that point on, their soul has been sold. Well, speaking about shaved monkeys, like TV executives, where, where, where do they come from? I could spend hours and hours talking about incredibly stupid programming decisions and stuff. Now, Fi- we went heavy there, so I'll keep mine for next week. Okay, yeah, yeah, sorry. Uh, final, um, that's a good one too. Final word on this, um, just taking us back to the cultural cringe. Uh, I'll just say this. The World Cup... I love soccer, you love soccer, but to me, it's even bigger than the Olympics. It's just a marvellous, marvellous sporting and cultural event, and if I hear uh, some AFL media or commentary bogan at some stage over the next few weeks make some comment about, I'd rather watch grass grow than watch the soccer, or, or you know, a la... A, a slightly more contemporary version of Wogball, I will, to quote Terry Wallace, spew up. All right, let's move on. On Footyology, previews with Punch. Okay, just six games this week, of course, with the buy rounds coming into effect. But, gee, there's some crackers. And the top four, the current top four, all playing each other. So uh, really, really tough Tipping round. Let's get underway. Of course, uh, Thursday night football starts tonight as we speak. Port Adelaide taking on Western Bulldogs 7.50 Melbourne time at Adelaide Oval. Uh, I thought the power were terrific last week in beating Richmond. Played a bit of tempo football. You know, they had a cracking second quarter. Played a bit of possession in the second half. Um, Denied Richmond the chance to swarm them with their pressure. Uh, I reckon they'll back that up with a really good win over a pretty hapless Western Bulldogs outfit at the moment. Have we got the teams in yet for that game, Rowan? Uh, not short. Oh, no, I'll give you the Bulldogs team. I imagine Caleb Daniel will be rucking. Roughhead, <laughs> oh, yeah. roughhead on his last chance. He'll, well, be, he'll no, be wicket-keeping. Actually, uh, Ruffy's, uh, Jordan Roughhead's been dropped. Yeah, well, he was on last chance 14 times. Is Wallace in or out? He's on his last chance. Yeah, so I'm gathering your tipping port. Yeah, who's fielding a gully for the Bulldogs? Their team's just a a silly selection every week. Can be directly related to the point in the game where they lose it. Port will win. And, of course, Bulldogs played Adelaide Oval only a month ago and uh, emerged with two goals for the game. All right, now how about this for an appetising clash? Friday night, SCG 7.50, Sydney playing West Coast. Now, West Coast, 10 wins in a row. Swans, I think five or six might even be in a row, dismantled your Saints last week. However, the SCG, absolute graveyard for the Eagles. I've got a feeling they've won there once in about 20 years. Um, Totally, totally the polar opposite to where they had played most of their footy at Subiaco. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, uh, I mean, look, they're both in great form. Um, I guess I'm, I'm just wondering if the Eagles are perhaps due to have a bit of a downer and you really got to be 100% plus, I think, to beat... Although, 
Sydney's losses this year have, have all come at home. Yeah, yeah. So maybe it's a ground that doesn't suit them like it used to. Uh, however, uh, it's a pretty formidable advantage still, I think. I'm, I'm going for the Swans. I enjoyed that argument you just had with yourself. I know, it was really was good. <laughs> circuitous. Um, Who won? You. Did I? Yeah. <laughs> it's like the uh, intra-club practice match, isn't it? Or the Hawthorne trial game. Uh, yeah. the, um, is this Jimmy or Phil? I reckon this one's probably Jimmy, because you said we've got a couple of crackers. And I oh, reckon this good. one's... No, this one would be Phil. No, this one would be Phil, because there's going to be plenty of skill, but um, there's rarely fisticuffs between these two teams. I'll save the fiery one for Jimmy. I, I'm definitely tipping Sydney, but I am definitely going to say that if West Coast win this... They are the premiership favourites. At the moment, I don't have them premiership favourites. Mm. Yeah, no, fair enough. But if they win this, yep. their bona fides have been assured. Well, their record on the road's been pretty good this year. So who are you tipping? I'm tipping Sydney. But for West Coast, you get my official thumbs up for the premiership if you can win. Okay, Isn't it great to see this rivalry back in town too? Remember when they kept playing all those really close well, games? I was about to say, I'm pretty sure it was... And, and there was a sequence of about seven or eight... But I think that's the second time you've dropped your phone. I'm testing it out. Uh, I think six games between them were decided by a total of 13 points. Mm. It was just ridiculous, including three in a row, one of them a grand final by one point. Yep. Um, all right. Craig Carpenter years. Great game, great game. Uh, all right, Saturday afternoon, um, speaking about great games, this isn't one of them. 145 Etihad Stadium, Carlton, 18th, take on Fremantle, 13th. Uh, kudos to the Dockers last week, beating Adelaide. However, they are this year's flat-track boys. Very good at home. Uh, only lost one at home to North. However, on the road, their average losing margin is 56 points. Um, having said all that, <laughs> I'm tipping them. I'm tipping them because I just figure at some stage, as if they're not aware of this, and I think this, they're not going to get a better chance to get a win on the road. Um, and I think they have to find something. And I think Eddie had is friendlier to them than the MCG. Not sure the Blues ever look that great at Eddie had. So I'm going for the Dockers. Well, this is part of Saturday afternoon football's big double header. Whoa! Yeah, Carlton Fremantle in Australia, Saint France. Saint Kilda Gold Coast. Oh, yeah. Whoa! Not great. Okay, let's talk about this one first. Um, I'm going to tip Carlton. I think it is always good when a couple of young guns recommit to the club. I think that's a little Philip in confidence for everybody. Fremantle, are they going to do it again? You know, you have observed that their form on the road is poor, but even poorer than that is their intent on the road. Yeah. Well, it's hard to turn that switch on. You can't just sort of say, now, I know we're travelling this week and we normally don't give a stuff, but let us I think we can win it, so let's go for it. Mm. I think they've become conditioned to playing a far better brand of footy in Perth than they do on the road, and I don't think you can just turn that switch on and off. So I tip Carlton, who have played a lot of honest quarters of footy, some crap, but a lot of honest quarters, yeah. to just get a nice, honest... You know, small win. Well, they were okay against the Swans last yeah, okay, start. Yep. Okay, okay. All right. Two weeks. Oh, that was their last start. So yeah. they've had the break? Uh, yes, they have. And yep. that's good for them because they've got a few 
young guys that have really been like Cripps yeah. had a sore body against Sydney. I, I think know. a break would be good for him. I tend to think the cons of the week off outweigh the pros, actually. I think I often it leaves sides flat. Anyway. You know, when it comes to pros and cons, as I've shown, you can check my credit card statement. I much prefer pros. Move on. Um, I'm a positive person. Yeah, no, I was just, how many different meanings can you take in that? Uh, I knew there was a gag coming. Uh, 4.35 Saturday, Gold Coast taking on St Kilda. Yep. I'm busy. Uh, well, <laughs> I'm doing something. I was going to say, uh, loser of this game's in a world of pain, but they're already in a world of pain. Um, Do you reckon they walk around? To each other with making that L symbol on their forehead to their opponents, <laughs> all, all 36 players on the ground. It's 15th v 16th. Uh, Suns have now lost six in a row. Uh, easy to forget they won three of their first five. Yep. Um, I think the consequences are greater for the Suns uh, yeah. because, uh, sorry, for the Saints because no one's going to call for Stewie Dew's head. Whereas Richo, if the Saints lose this, oh, that's going to get really ugly. Um, they're, they're both, uh, they both remind me of TV shows. Bad ones? No. Gold Coast is Sons of Apathy. <laughs> and St Kilda is St Elsewhere. Because I'm telling you, <laughs> you bad. don't want to be anywhere the where they're playing. Yeah. Um, but this game has got terrible all written all over it. Because for St Kilda, as bad as they've been last week, and they were better, the, not bad the couple of weeks before, they've had a terribly hard draw. Honestly, they yeah, have. Yeah, yeah. Early on in the year, they had three easy games, and then they played teams in form for four weeks, which they lost, and then they got Richmond, West Coast, and Sydney. Now, the problem is, against Gold Coast, they would expect, and the world expects them to do better. And any time there's been expectation on St Kilda in recent times, that's when they can't even hit a target you know, from 10 metres away. Okay, who wins? Oh, there is a nervousness in this game that will be horrible. I think Gold Coast will actually win it. Yeah, well, it's 50-50 for mine. I just think the Saints' form uh, last better. week aside is better. So yeah. I'm going for St Kilda, but by a kick. All right, um, massive game this. Have, have there been, sorry, I, I need to ask this. Have there been many Twilight games? They're very different games on the Gold Coast. Yeah. You know, where they uh, got... When not, they got Stewie Dew to coach the club, that was not the first time Dew would, would have a big impact on players because those games are very odd. You've been They're, reading a pun book over there. Oh, well, hang on. I mean, they are... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was good. It was good. Um, Hawthorne, Adelaide, massive game. MCG, Saturday night, 7.25. Massively stupid scheduling because France plays Australia at eight. And yes, I know this fixture was done first, but when that became clear, surely they could have moved this to another time slot. Or at least negotiated with FIFA. Um, no, but they could have moved it to another time slot. They had to. You had to. It's ridiculous. Time slot, not out of respect to soccer, but out of respect to the people who like watching sport. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. It's, it's really yeah, it's uh, myopic. Um, anyway, look, this is last chance saloon for the Crows. And, uh, you know, they've had a tough time. I was having a look at how many games their stars have missed. Last week, they were without five of the top ten in their best and fairest last year. Yeah. Smith and Brad Crouch haven't played a single game. Does that include Lever? Um, actually, that's a good point. Uh, not sure. I don't think he was in there. I'm just saying. That's no, no, I don't think he was in the top though. ten. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, actually, he wasn't in top ten because they turned on him halfway yeah, through the year. He wouldn't have got yeah, votes. yeah. Well, uh, Sloan's only played four. Walker's only played. Walker's missed five. You know, all their guns have missed at least a couple. 
They've had no continuity for all that. Um, in what was a high standard game, Fremantle Adelaide, uh, you know, they, they nearly got there. So, you know, for all the people missing and, and down on where they were last year, they're not that far off it. Now, as, as much as I respect the Hawks, and the Hawks have really had the edge over the Crows, they've won eight of the last nine meetings, including last year in Adelaide. I just reckon the fact that this is the Crows' last roll of a dice, because they'll be too far removed uh, if they lose this, I'm tipping a bit of an upset here. I reckon the Crows can just get over the line. Their recent form at the MCG Adelaide isn't too bad either. I'm going for the Hawthorne-France double. Yeah. Stick with the favourites. Hawthorne, yeah, it's just too many, too many, unfortunately, too many players out has parlayed into too much disjointed football players that were, um, you know, Ellis Yolman, that were going to be good fringe, uh, sort of uh, helper, helper ants, now have bigger roles and they're, yeah. not fill, they're not filling those boots. No, Hawthorne for mine. Yep, no, fair enough. It's definitely a, an upset. I'm going for, and uh, game of the round, got to be game of the round, Sunday afternoon, 3.20 at the MCG, Geelong v Richmond, a rematch of last year's qualifying final, hopefully for the Cats with a different result, Tigers would love a similar result, um, big game this, Tigers rebounding from a rare loss, Geelong, I thought, a pretty good win down at their home base, which I know you're big on inflating their record, but they played well when they had to. The venue here is a really interesting thing. Richmond, of course, have won 15 in a row, best record they've ever had. The Cats, um, from the 2014 finals onwards, have played 24 times at the MCG and have gone exactly 50%, 12 and 12. They don't play it as well. I don't think there's much question about that. Um, Who wins? If you picked along in this, you are completely ignorant to the factors just pointed out by Rowan. You're either a Geelong fan or you've got great faith in that midfield of Selwood, Dangerfield and Ablett, but you are ignoring what a different team Richmond are at the G and Geelong on the other side of the coin. Not as good. Now, Richmond must win this game because otherwise their, their plan to sort of motor through the season with enough wins to finish top two and then let the G take care of itself will not happen. Mm. They will open the door to the likes of Geelong to go above them. So this is a, this is September in June for Richmond and given that it's at the S and at the MCG, I'll tip them. Uh, well, call me an idiot. I'm going for the Cats. Why? Because I need the tip. Okay. But, <laughs> but can they? They can win. They can win. Can they I, cover I, I, the ground well enough there? Oh, look, I think, they, I think they can. They beat Collingwood pretty well there. Okay. Um, terrible against Essendon last start. but uh, And look, Tiger fans, no disrespect to you. I need the tip. And uh, you'd have to concede that there's at least the chance of an upset here. So, And, and could, Dustin Martin the week off, good for him? Uh, yeah, I think it would be. Yeah, yeah. Um, it should be a ripping game anyway, but uh, yeah, I, I am going the upset here, Geelong, so Good. potentially even further behind in the tipping than I already am. On Footyology, never again. Rightio, uh, I've got one, uh, probably won't be followed, but uh, I'm going to see if I can. Never again will I get stuck on YouTube watching uh, highlights packages of old WAFL football 
because I did it the other night. I ended up watching uh, Swan Districts three flags in a row from 82 to 84. I was watching William Baker running around with longer hair. Um, Peter Bazzasto kicking incredible goals for Perth in the 78 grand final. There is so much great archival footage on YouTube from uh, WA in South Australia, and I love watching that stuff. And you know how when you watch a, uh, a clip down the right-hand column, the old uh, you know sort of related clips, well, that is that is a very large, um, a very large Pandora's box, and I tumbled right into it. No, I'm not going to. No, good, don't. Um, and, uh, but, but those uh, related and, clips are interesting. Yeah, well, uh, no, they are related. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it's been it's been a few sort of three a.m. bedtimes for me. So it's a big, big trap for me. YouTube football archival stuff. Never again. That's okay. That's a good. That's a good one. Uh, you know, I, I think it's fair to say that the footyology, average footyology listener or viewer, is a pretty deep. Hardcore follower of the game. I'd hope so. We yeah. uh, we pitched it at the at the serious football fan. Yeah, but that's right, Finey. Because if we were uh, pitching it at the theatre, go, I'd now be saying, "Oh, great call, Finey." Anywho, I'd be going fine, <laughs> fine. <laughs> Anywho, uh, even our most fervent uh, football lover, I'm sure, as you were reading out your Never Again, was. Somewhere muttering to themselves, either aloud or in their inner voice, get a life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, <laughs> I just watched three games on YouTube from the waffle. Yeah. From the 80s, as it would happen to fall. I ordered a via mail catalogue a copy of the 1973 South Australian Grand Final a few years ago. Did you get it sent to a, another post box so the police couldn't face <laughs> no, it? No, it didn't come in a brown paper bag. Come on, what's your never again? Mine's pretty TV related, sort of, as well. Never again, and I've said this before, but this is a real never again, am I going to turn on the football and just before it starts, pause it with the aim of doing stuff around the house and then being able to watch the whole game without quarter time and half time and three quarter time because I had stuff to do around the house and that was going to be a good contraction to my time before Footyology TV. So you can imagine at 4 o'clock, with the game starting at 3.20, my shock and horror to see my daughter and my wife sitting on the couch watching last night's MasterChef. <laughs> Is that why you said you couldn't talk when I was trying to ring you? What, what were you doing, trying, trying to find an alternate... Back, uh... Trying to back, you know, back study the game. But my goodness... If something's paused like footy on TV, and that's what I do for a living, yeah, who just comes and changes the channel? Uh, and the excuse was atrocious. I'm going to say, yeah, what was it? So my daughter, Harper, who was the person who changed the channel, yeah. said that she thought that all games, you can just watch it any time on, on demand. That's all right. You can't watch footy on demand. She said, oh, surely once the game starts, it's on demand. No, it ain't, darling. I'm wondering, oh, geez, I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to. I'm wondering if there's something, there's a, a, a sort of female part of the psyche involved with this, because as soon as you said it, I just thought of one uh, long-term partner in my life who, um, one of our early dates, I took around a copy on tape of my favourite movie of all time to allow her to watch it. What, the 1973 South Australian Grand Final? No, The Manchurian Candidate. 
with Frank Sinatra, as a matter of fact. Fantastic movie. Anyway, she lost it. Never got it back. And a previous, uh, fortunately, not as long-term partner, um, I went a video of a homemade tape of uh, another favourite movie of mine. She watched it and taped over it with something else. And I said, why'd you do that? And she said, oh, I just thought you'd have a few copies of it. You know, um, that's this is true. Natalie, my wife, um, after our first meeting t- together, the second, oh, the first time, I had in my car some Three Stooges a CD. And I put it on. Not that she liked it, but... Yeah, and, that would be pretty romantic, yeah. And I left it there. And I came back the next day to get it. And she, to this day, claims I did it on purpose so I could come back and see her again and ask her out. So the Three Stooges. I swear I did not... That was not my plan. Yeah. I'm going on record as saying, I would have asked her out anyhow. But whenever she sees the Three Stooges... She looks. She tells everybody in the room that was how that was my my husband's, you know, love. You know, it's like the yawn and the stretch around putting the arm around the neck. Yeah, at, at the movies. Then, that's that's his move. She did, called it. Does she then slap you around a bit? Hmm. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. Larry right. Fine. All right, wise guy. Okay, on that uh, suitably uh, comical note, uh, have a great weekend of footy, everyone. Um, try and watch a bit of the World Cup too. It's a ripper. Go Certainly. soccer, go, go soccer, Uh We'll see you later.